Welcome to the Liberty Block. I am Elliot Axelman. I am joined this evening by Melissa Blasick. I hope I pronounced that right. She's running for state rep in Merrimack. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Great. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a, a fun time. I'm very excited. So you're running for state rep in the town of Merrimack, which is yeah. uh, Hillsborough, which number? Hillsborough 21. Hillsborough District 21. Great. And this is the whole town of Merrimack. Yes, it is. Yes, we have eight seats for um, the town of Merrimack. Excellent. And you're running in the Republican primary? Yes, we, we do have. The Republicans do have a primary. So I'm uh, going to come out and vote for me in particular. Great. So how many uh, Republicans are running in the primary for how many seats? Nine Republicans for eight seats. So great, great. just can't be last. Yeah, well, as long as you're not last, you're okay. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to do fine because I, I think you're working the hardest, right? I've been working really, really hard. I um, I was just looking at my map and I'm estimating by primary, I will have hit almost every primary voter's house. So That's incredible. How many voters are in Merrimack? Um, or how many people? How many? I don't know how many overall, I can't remember how many overall registered have been focusing on Republicans. There's like 2,500 reg, registered Republicans or 2,000 or so. Okay, that's not too bad. So Yeah, um, typically in a primary, um, you know, not all of them turn out, but so it's usually like about 1,500 votes. Yeah, yeah. Primary. yeah, of course. So you're not a politician at all, right? No, I am not. I've never run for anything before. Um, I've been involved in politics and interested in politics, but uh, this is my first go around. Um, I just, uh, and honestly, if you would have told me a year ago that I would be doing this, I would tell you you were lying. Uh, <laughs> I would laugh. Uh, and yet here I am, but the world has changed and yes. I've changed with it. Yeah, so what, what have you done for a living up to this point? Oh, yeah. So I'm a musician. Um, I have a private music school here in Merrimack. I teach uh, voice, guitar, and piano lessons um, privately. I'm actually in my music studio right here. Great, great. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I do for a living, and, which seems very different. But <laughs> No, it's great. It's great that you have a real job, unlike some people who are career politicians. Uh, that is not going to be me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it can't be because you can't make a lot of money. It would, no, no, no. The $100 <laughs> a year really doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. That's honestly, though, I think it's one of the things that makes New Hampshire great is that we don't have career politicians and there is absolutely no way you can make a living um, being a representative or a senator. Um, and so you have to be a real person. Yeah, it's amazing. It's coming from New York. It's it's night and day difference. There, I think the state uh, senators and state representatives make one hundred fifty or one hundred seventy thousand dollars a year, and there are fewer of them, uh, even a fewer per capita, and they're treated like gods. And you don't know them here in New Hampshire. We all know fifty state reps. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, people who know that I'm running for state rep in like other parts of the country are very impressed, and I'm like, mm -hmm. well, okay. It's not that big a deal here. You know, they kind of really need people to do it because nobody wants to do it for the hundred dollars a year and a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, what pushed you over, over, I guess, the, the fence or over the edge to run this time? Right. So, well, for better or for worse, the events of the last six months—I uh, can't believe I'm saying that it's six months, but it is—have um, opened the floodgates to a new type of government intervention that we've never seen before. 
and we were facing a massive economic crisis. And um, I just sat back and I thought, uh, I'm really worried. I'm really worried and what's the most that I can do? And this is the most that I can do. So was it the, the economic freedom of the government forcing businesses to shut down? Was that it? Or was it something else that, that caused you to run? Yeah, that was, that was probably the biggest one. I don't see how um, that is at all how our founders intended. And um, I don't believe that government edict can end a pandemic any more than government edict can stop a hurricane from coming. Um, I think you can prepare the public, but um, that's about it. And I think that this is going to have unintended consequences that is going to haunt us for at least a decade. So if they were up for a vote, some of these, the recent mandates that we've had, mandating masks for large events, that was, I think, a few weeks ago, or shutting down businesses or forcing businesses to have uh, half capacity like some businesses have, if it were up for a vote, I know the governor is kind of doing it as emergency uh, mandate, but if it were up for a vote in the House, would you vote against some or all of these uh, mandates? Well, the first part of that question is, my biggest issue with all of this is the fact that one man makes every decision. That is not the government that we live in. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to be how things are. That is... Um, not how, how a free society functions. Um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I don't think that Sununu's a bad guy. I've been very pleased with him, um, but he is only one person. And we are, we have elected representatives and for a reason. <laughs> and um, that is for separation of power because checks and balances prevents us from abuses of our government. And I think we can look around the country and see a lot of abuses of government because there are no separations of power. And that is unconscionable to me. So we have to rebalance power here in New Hampshire. Uh, states of emergencies were never intended to last past um, an initial crisis point. Um, our state of emergency law, which was not put in effect until 2002, actually most people don't realize that this wouldn't have even been possible before 2002. Oh. Um, it was written for a one-time event like a hurricane or a terrorist attack. It was a response to 9-11. It was not meant for a disease because diseases don't go away overnight. They are something, we keep thinking that we're weathering a storm, but the reality, the reality is we have to deal with a season. It's like winter versus one storm. And that's a long period of time. And um, there, there to me is absolutely no reason why one person makes all of the decisions for that when we have elected representatives. So uh, that's that. I know I would not vote for uh, any type of mandates. Um, again, I, I think that you have to trust the people to make the right decisions. Um, I've been a big fan of how Christy Nome has handled South Dakota, where she has um, allowed her people to She's informed the public, allowed the public to be informed, and they have chosen to make the best decisions for them. They have one of the lowest death rates in the country as a result. And um, she's the only governor that when they kind of got through the crisis point, uh, they threw her a parade. Um, mm -hmm. Because right. she, she put freedom first, um, and she understood that more freedom, not more government, is the answer to most problems. Yeah. And 
you, you spoke about the centralization of power of, of just the executive, so the governor or president mm -hmm. taking more power, and right. I guess taking power away from legislatures. And we've seen that happen in other states and even more so in DC, where in DC, my, my dad said for decades now, Congress is useless. We don't need them anymore. They don't do anything besides naming post offices and uh, pork barrel and grandstanding. Because um, the president yeah, the does president everything. Far, much, far too much authority. Yeah, the president, the executive agencies, the courts. Mm -hmm. uh, executive agencies make a lot of rules now. Mm -hmm. um, New Hampshire hasn't been like that. We have a great no. House and Senate. But no. it's, it's, you know, maybe it's becoming like that because of this emergency, which would be I think president. it's the reverse that we're seeing of that. Um, yeah, overall, we do function as our founders intended us to function here in New Hampshire um, until now. And that's a major problem. And how long has the state of emergency been going for? Because I know it has to be renewed every few few weeks. I don't know how many times. So the way the law is written is um, every 21 days, it has to be renewed, but the governor can choose to renew it on his own recognizance. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't have to get any kind of authorization from anyone, nor does he really have to justify his, um, well, not very much, because the way the law is written is that it says that uh, you just have to have a, it just says a crisis of major proportion. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, it seems pretty that's subjective. Yeah. Open-ended. Um, right now, when you read his states of emergency re-upping, each one he less and less mentions uh, COVID and more and more mentions the economy. So I don't know what that means. Does that mean that every time we have a uh, recession, all of a sudden, you know, well, we have a state of emergency. What does that mean? Interesting. <laughs> so, so in the last know, justification. We have to reform RSA 445, which is our state of emergency law. That's another reason why I'm running. Um, because he should not be able, I mean, let's just say we had a really terrible person as our governor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's give a hypothetical. I, because I don't think that Kristen Nunes is a terrible person. Okay. Let's say we are a really bad person. I have someone in mind, yeah. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of little dictators running around this country right now uh, who are making a lot of really bad decisions um, and really reveling in their power and how much they can twist the heel into the people, okay? Um, so let's say we had one of those. Well, the way our law is written, they can do anything for however long that they want to. Chris Sununu has said in the past that he wants three to five years of this because he wants all the money. And, and I'm sorry, but you, nobody gets to be dictator for three to five years. You are a governor. You have a certain amount of authority. It's not to just arbitrarily make rules. Yeah, a few, a few points. Number one, I didn't realize that the last time he renewed it, he justified it by the economy being hurt because the economy was hurt by the shutdowns. See that the last ironic. times actually he mentions the economy quite a bit as his justification. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But it was the shutdowns that did it. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. It and was a man-made economic crisis. So. Yeah, so you caused the crisis and then you say, we're in a crisis. Now I need to be a dictator for a while. So that's an issue. And my second point that I, I want to mention is, I think the states of emergency, maybe 2002 was, you know, 18 years ago, but not very long ago, but the emergency powers of governors and presidents, I think, are there so that if they have to act so quickly to, let's say there's a terrorist attack and a missile in the air, they have to act so quickly, they can't wait for Congress to all assemble and vote on something because it takes a long time, they can still defend against that missile. And as mm -hmm. commander in chief, I think presidents and governors have that power. Absolutely. Um, COVID is not quite hitting us as fast as a missile. No, we've actually, we have never um, handled any pandemic before like this. Um, in 1918 with the uh, last, 
I mean, we've had plenty of pandemics since then, but that was maybe the most major pandemic um, in modern history. Um, Congress met constantly. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, they not only met constantly, several of them died, but that is their job, not to die, but their job is to meet and make decisions and, you know, go forward with their function that we elected them to do. Um, I have, was very disappointed that, um, it's a good point. Yeah. Instead, what happened here in New Hampshire was that our Congress was no plate, nowhere to be seen until June. Um, they were not called into session because of, you know, well, what's so interesting to me is is a lot of people are afraid. Personally, I'm, I'm not very afraid, but people are afraid to be in another room with with another uh, person or too close of proximity. That's why they're using, I think, a big college's uh, basketball uh, court or something. But Talking, you know, yeah. is there something that exists technologically in 2020 that could allow people to video chat? Does that? Well, we've been yeah. talking about this when we reform RSA 445. That maybe we need to put in um, a section about remote um, sessions. Uh, we do have that technology to be able to do that. We're using it right now. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and so maybe that needs to happen. I still don't think that um, a pandemic is an excuse not to do your job. But um, I mean, again, I think there's an initial time period. Like you said, oh my gosh, the storm is coming. You know, yeah, there's a terrorist attack, whatever. It, you, you just can't get everyone together to start making decisions and somebody needs to act now. Um, but after that, I think that um, we can all function as a republic should. Yeah, so I, I have a question for you, and this is something that we've seen the memes and the articles, and I've been attacked um, online plenty for this. People saying, you care about the economy so much, you're a greedy capitalist pig, and you just want the economy to reopen, the economy, you know, there's a recession now. Why, why do you put the economy over livelihood? People are dying, this is a pandemic. People are dying in the streets all over in New Hampshire. Clearly, as you see, the streets are piled up with dead people. So why do you care about your finances, your pocketbook, your bank account? You're a greedy capitalist. How could you put money over lives? The UN estimates that millions of people will die as a result of starvation um, in direct result to the worldwide economic lockdown. So this is not a matter of lives versus money. This is a matter of lives versus lives. Um, millions of people will starve on top of the people who normally starve to death um, in the world. And more millions will be brought to the brink of starvation. Um, we have seen suicides skyrocket, um, mm -hmm. addiction overdoses um, skyrocket, uh, cases of abuse skyrocket. Um, this isn't something that's that simple. And to me, this is sort of the ultimate terrible, I guess, experiment in what happens when government starts micromanaging and controlling everything. And what has happened is that we have compounded a problem. You can still see that people are dying of COVID. And um, it is my personal feeling, like I said before, that government edict cannot stop nature. And so the same number of people were under the curve, regardless of whether that curve was flat or not. The only people who did not uh, whose lives perhaps we saved by flattening the curve if we had had the exponential growth that nowhere in the world that they see that exponential growth that was initially modeled. 
um, would have been if the hospital systems became overwhelmed and somebody went to the hospital seeking medical treatment and could not receive medical treatment. Those are the only people's lives that we saved, although it turned out exponential growth was not a thing with this disease. So that was probably never going to happen anywhere. Um, but regardless, the same number of people will die and the same number of people will become infected either now or later. And I believe that we are limping in the most destructive way possible to the finish line um, through lockdowns and government intervention. Excellently answered. <laughs> Very good. And I'm glad that you mentioned the flatten the curve because initially that's what they said. And some people didn't, they thought flatten the curve, you know, the curve going up of the deaths. They thought that meant stop all the deaths. What it really meant was flatten it so that the same volume occurs over the same amount of time so that hospitals aren't overwhelmed in a short period over a of time. Longer amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. So same yeah. cases, but spread out more, flattening the curve, not eliminating it. Some people didn't understand that. And now that there are still some, some sick people. I understand that. And I actually think that the public was purposefully misled. I think you've been lied to a lot. Um, Politicians would mislead the public? No, they wouldn't do that. I think that the was purposefully misled. That is how they started saying it. Um, and then when people started believing otherwise, they weren't corrected uh, because it, it makes people more compliant, doesn't it? If they really believe that they're stopping people from dying, it makes them far more compliant. Of course. So moving on from all the, the depressing COVID things and, and economic freedom. And economic freedom is important. Economic far, freedom is very important because yeah. it leads to prosperity for all. And I think we've seen this trial with socialism really uh, tank. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. So what, what else legislatively would be your, your top priorities, maybe three or five priorities that you'd want to focus on as far as stopping bad bills or passing good bills, maybe? Right. Um, well, I think that this also has brought up some interesting um, things that we have in our favor here in New Hampshire, which is one of them would be school choice. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of really good school choice. And now um, I heard a statistic that's like four out of five parents in the United States will not be participating in the public education system this year, which is wild. Um, and so I think that now is the time to celebrate and protect um, our school choice that we have here in New Hampshire, you have the ability to send your children to charter schools, you have the ability mm -hmm. to send your children to private schools, and you have the ability to homeschool without the government, um, you know, regulating every which way that you do that. Um, and I think that that's a great thing, and I would absolutely uh, protect that 100%. Um, here in Merrimack, we're working on our water issue, um, and I definitely, you know, want to support anything I can to resolve that issue. We've had to spend the last couple of years investigating it and see where we are, what the problem really was, what the solution really is. And um, I think we're trying to make some headway. So I definitely would want to, to help with that. And then overall, I am just a fiscal uh, conservative and uh, I would want to protect the state from new taxes and excessive spending as much as possible. Excellent. So going back to what you said about school choice, because as you might know, I'm a very big fan of school choice. I think that the, the natural right for parents to educate their children how they see fit is possibly the most important freedom that, that exists, because if we can't educate our kids and people, you know, can indoctrinate our kids to believe anything that it's, you know, essentially the next generation is totally screwed. So the, the one thing that some, you know, radical school choice activists or pro-freedom activists, maybe like you and me, would like to see passed, we don't have yet have in the state, 
is a, a voucher so that people who don't use the public school system can get some of the money that they pay in property taxes right. or other taxes that might go towards school, get a bit of that money back to be used for educational purposes for a private school. Right. Would you support a voucher or ESA program? My only issue with that, um, and I, the devil would be in the details, um, absolutely. I worry always about government intervention. And I think it's always a slippery slope when the government starts paying. It's the golden rule, who he who has the gold rules. And if we are now going to give people tax breaks in a way, in some way, to be able to use it for education, do they now feel that they have the authority to start dictating that education? So the devil would be in the details with that one. Yeah, that's, that's true. And it's a good thing you like mentioned that. What's that? <laughs> I like the concept. Yeah. But it would be the implementation that, you know. I so I, I think there was actually a bill. I forget the, the name. I think it was a Senate bill um, a few years ago that we were following that was, I believe, a school choice bill. And it was poisoned. It was poisoned so badly that it became toxic. And the supporters, and I think the sponsors, conservatives, voted against it. And they killed it yeah. because it was poisoned. Yeah. Um, they made it into a welfare bill where if you make a certain amount of money or you make so little, the government gives you money. It was really a welfare bill, redistribution of wealth. So you're yeah. right that it's in the details because – they can poison a bill. Um, I guess yeah, again, absolutely. And and I'm always just wary of passing any new legislation that has a slippery slope in it. I'd rather just not. For sure. I, I guess that the if I had my druthers, you know, the the simplest way to do it, if possible, is to just eliminate the property taxes for those people. You know, so they don't give the money to the government in the first place. Um, but there's town and state involved, and it's complicated. So I'm not sure if that could. Yeah, be and there's people who don't pay property taxes. What's that? There are people who don't pay property taxes as well. Yeah, lucky people. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, other legislative priorities. I, I know that you're pretty uh, pro-gun. Actually, I found out about you Very because because I think the first time I even saw your name, it was in uh, DW, the, the gun store in Merrimack, which I yep. consider the best gun store in the world. Yeah. Um, so oh. you must be pretty pro-Second Amendment. If you, oh, if absolutely. If you had your, had your yeah. card there. Yeah, no, I um, – listen, I'm a constitutionalist, and I believe in what the Constitution says. I think that New Hampshire is kind of the poster child for least restrictive gun laws. We have no restrictions. We have none. Right, basically. Uh, creating, you know, a safe place. I mean, we have one of the lowest violent crime rates, one of the lowest gun crime rates in the country. Um, and we, I think we have the highest gun ownership rate per capita. So, uh, no, I think it's working out really well for us. And uh, I absolutely will, will do everything I can to protect that. Can I ask you a difficult yeah, I know Keith is a great guy. <laughs> What's that? Keith is a great guy. Yeah, and, yeah, he's amazing. Um, yeah, he called me to like put up my signs there. And I was like, yes. That's great. <laughs> yeah, he has the signs in front now. <laughs> so I, I have one difficult question on gun rights for you. Okay. It's going to make you uncomfortable. Because um, I'm, I'm ambitious. So. Oh, boy. Okay. So New Hampshire already has no, we have no restrictions on gun laws. The only restrictions are you can't carry in a courthouse and you can't, you know, murder someone with a gun. There really are no restrictions of firearms, no, nothing uh, limiting people, no permits or anything. But the laws that I have to obey, I can't have certain guns. If I want an SBR, I can't have it, right? That's because of federal laws. If I want a suppressor or full auto, it's because of federal laws. And some states have done this, by the way. Would you consider supporting a bill that would essentially, within our state, nullify some of those federal laws so that we can really not be infringed in our self-defense rights? My only question is how much authority does the state have over that? Like, can they override a federal law? 
if you do it, you do it. Um, Missouri's done it. Wyoming has done similar things. And I think Oklahoma and a few other states have done similar bills, I believe. Um, in Missouri, you can have a suppressor and no, uh, no tax stamp or whatever it is for a suppressor. My feeling on guns is this, is that um, our founders did not include Second Amendment rights to hunt deer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I don't think that there should be restrictions on the type of gun that you that you own, um, because that's not the point. Like, I love these people who politics, the Democrats were like, well, you can have a hunting. Right? Okay, <laughs> um, that's 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 definitely not what they were thinking about. Um, I mean, that too, but uh, <laughs> it really wasn't the point to make it an enumerated right. Um, so. In theory, yes, I would support that. I just don't know, like in practice, if that's something that's really practical um, as far as how, you know, overriding a federal law. Yeah, I think a few states have nullified things and other states from the left have nullified federal cannabis law because cannabis is illegal. Yes, that's and, true. Right? That's true. And yep. federal immigration law, there are sanctuary states and cities. So right. I you mean, can nullify federal areas, law. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, states have rights. I think uh, we've definitely seen that come down the pipeline with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the federal government has no control over what these governors are doing whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, I support the Tenth Amendment, and I'm sure you support federalism as well. So, in general, in general, that's it provides for better policy, I think. So, you mentioned that you're not a big fan of high taxes and high spending. Um, so, so we have that in common. Um, the, so I, I know you that. can spend your money better than the government. The government is only good at one thing: wasting money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the government is not particularly efficient or good at anything other than spending. I would agree. So the one question I think I would have for you is: is I don't, I don't know if you've seen this article I wrote a, a few years ago. Um, there are ways that the government can make money because right now the budget for New Hampshire State is about six billion dollars a year. So it's, it's 12 billion for two years is the way they do it. Um, so there are ways they could raise 6 billion without taxation. So currently they raise that money mostly via uh, property taxes, some sales taxes, and maybe some, some gas taxes or other taxes. Liquor. But, yeah, but the, and, and that's the thing. They sell liquor. So the, the state government runs, I think, 82 liquor stores yep. and they sell lottery tickets. And there are other ways that they raise money that are not you know, coercive, like someone right. like me would say, coercive in nature because they're not mandatory. People who buy lottery tickets or liquor are doing so 100% of their own volition. Um, so, and there are other ways if they use advertising, like we've seen the, obviously the advertising industry has exploded because of, of what the internet has done. So if they can utilize advertising on their own government property, both uh, real property and online, they could probably raise $6 billion a year without any taxation. Is that something that you'd, you'd look into or maybe even support a bill to raise more money voluntarily and less taxation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, um, you know, can go along with the whole taxation is theft thing. I certainly feel that way every time I write my tax bill. <laughs> um, and uh, no, I, I no, totally. I agree that that there are ways that they currently yeah do make money um, that is not forced, mandatory, um, and arbitrary. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. If there could be other means of that, um, a hundred percent. Um, unfortunately, you know, we've really cut into our taxes right now with like hotel and restaurant taxes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge, but I don't like the idea as a principle of 
I have a distaste for relying on federal money to handle a problem that we self-created. So um, I think there will have to be hard decisions made, but um, I think that it's time that the government starts um, feeling some of that burden and not the people because the people have felt enough of the burden. 100%. I have, I have one more question for you. I just remembered. Uh, privacy is another thing that's very important to me and privacy I think is very related to freedom, of course. In fact, the New Hampshire Constitution, I think in 2018 in that election was amended with a, a, an amendment to just add one sentence, I think, to the Constitution, pretty much saying that the right to live privately and uh, unintruded, unimpeded by government is a natural right. Yes. So I thought that was a good thing. And that passed with like 80% of the vote. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, but right after that, the, I think we continue to have a few more assaults on our privacy from the, the state government, the city governments. Manchester put up two cameras on Elm Street that just watch everyone, you know, just 24-7, streaming to the police station and, you know, mm -hmm. running your, uh, your shape of your person and seeing if they can identify the person. So Manchester's doing that and they're being sued. Um, police departments around the state have begun having LPRs on their cars, license plate readers that scan every plate. Um, we also have Portsmouth police that has more and more drones from the federal grant, of course. The DHS gave them a grant for like seven or eight drones now, so they have drones spying on us. Um, so what are your thoughts on privacy? Would you support bills to maybe curtail government law enforcement powers to spy on people who have no uh, suspicion of having committed a crime, like LPRs and the cameras on Main Street? Yeah. <laughs> the, the answer is yes, absolutely. Um, no doubt. We can't all be uh, treated like criminals when we aren't. Um, and uh, no, I, I totally support that. Um, yes, it's uh, the camera thing is, uh, I actually thought that didn't actually pass. Why did I think that that hadn't happened? Which one? The cameras in Manchester. I thought. I don't know if they're up yet, but the Manchester police said they're going to do it. And then there was a few lawsuits um, yeah. I mean, basically, none of these things do anything to prevent crime. Well, so, do you know the reason they said they were putting it up? It wasn't to prevent crime. What, what the, was the, the Manchester police said they're putting up cameras on Elm Street, right by, by uh, City Hall, mm -hmm. facing north and south, because there, there are some homeless people and some uh, local businesses are complaining that the homeless people on the sidewalk in front of their business is cramping their style. That's a separate issue. But that's their justification. They didn't even say it was about crime. They said right. that like homeless people, which I think is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But it, it's spying on everyone 24-7 and, and yeah. streaming to the police station. And again, if you're familiar with Fourth Amendment and also even case law, not that I care about what the courts say, but even case law does support the fact that you can't be uh, spied upon or surveilled by government or investigated unless you have committed a crime or there's suspicion you did. But if you're just walking down Elm Street past City Hall and you're on camera, Mm -hmm. No one's going to claim that yeah. you're, you're suspicious. Obviously, they've done that in major cities before, but we are not. We are in New Hampshire. There's supposed to be a difference. Mm -hmm. And we are a very low crime state. Um, so it's all been working out. Freedom's been working out for us. I don't really see any reason to change that. Um, and uh, yeah, no, mm -mm, definitely. I would definitely <laughs> support limitations on that. Um, and Generally speaking, I have sort of a problem with the liberal mentality about um, laws and enforcement of laws. You know, obviously there's, you know, the big defund the police thing, right? And um, I don't support defunding the police, although I do think that maybe funds need to be reallocated. I don't understand why, you know, 
we, uh, well, the reason why they don't wear body cams uh, here in New Hampshire is because, quote, we didn't have funds for it. Well, I think that that's an important protection for everyone and we need to find the funds. So reallocation of funds might be necessary. But, you know, it's funny, the liberals always have this idea that they want to add more laws and more laws and more laws without understanding that a law has no weight unless it's enforced. And our enforcers are the police. That's a good point. <laughs> now, with every um, law that you've created, you have given more power and more authority to police. So I always find that to be such a bizarre dichotomy of liberalism to me. Like uh, the left, you know, I hate police, very distrustful of police. I want to defund the police. But let's pass lots of laws to give police way more power and way more authority. And it's, more stuff to do, meaning they need more funding. So they support- That too, that too, absolutely. And now because we've passed all these little minutiae, um, a bad policeman, and I'm not saying that all policemen are bad, I don't believe that, but a bad cop, there's bad people everywhere. A bad cop now has more excuses to pull you over. To, yeah, to pull you over, to do this and that, because you have passed all of these laws and given them all of that of authority. So. And even in New Hampshire now, if you look at the, the inspection code to pass an inspection, it's, it's over 30,000 words. So we can assume there are thousands of ways you can fail inspection. Um, and, and it seems to be, I, my understanding is that every single one of those failures is actually a primary offense. So any of those tiny little issues is enough reason for a cop to pull you over. Right. So there, there are and thousands y'all know, once you put a law on the books, you don't take it off. Yeah, yeah. once, once you give the government a power. Continued to add to these books of laws. Uh, we have ones that are so outdated, so absurd. Everybody does. I'm not saying that we're unique, but everybody has Every such state laws. Does. And, and that also gives um, law enforcement more power over you. If they want to find something, they probably can. That's a great point. So how can people find out more about you? Do you have a website or a Facebook? Yes, yes. Um, so I'm Melissa for Merrimack.com. Great. And number four. And um, yeah, feel free to like reach out to me, maybe a message. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll try to link your website in the description here. We'll put it in the comments and all that. And how can people vote for you in the primary if they want to vote for you? Um, so yeah, it's September 8th. Um, I'm only on the ballot in Merrimack. You have to be in Merrimack. Um, and yeah, Republican primary ballots. And where do they go to vote? Is there just one place? Oh, um, there's three locations. Um, there's the upper elementary school, the middle school, and uh, I can't remember the name of the church. It's a church. I'm blanking on the name of it, but yes, <laughs> there's three locations. I, I assume on your website you have the info. If not sure what their polling location is, you can go to the Merrimack Patch and they have um, like a way to search and see which district you're in, which section. Excellent. Excellent. Anything else you want to tell your voters in Merrimack before we close for the night? No, you know, I, listen, I, I was very happy being a wife and a mother and a music teacher. And a great musician, yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, but I, um, I'm just really worried. I, I feel like I'm just a concerned citizen, like all of you, um, that just decided that I had had enough. And so here I am. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Melissa Blasick. We'll put the website in the description. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank and you for having me. Our pleasure.
And this is Elliot Axelman saying goodnight from the Liberty Block. Until next time.